0: We are trying something really ambitious today, and I say we, and I mean me, but um, we're we're on this whole thing together, right? So uh, we're going we, either way. Um, This is Evan Altman. I am the host of both the Deep Like Leviathan podcast, which I am recording right now via this microphone, so I can't see my pretty face as well. Uh, For those who are watching live, not really live, but you're watching on Inside Corner, which is my YouTube show. So we're going to do these both together. I'll turn this to the side, kind of like move the mic around, right? Um, wanted to record these together for the simple fact that uh, I just watched Avengers Endgame last night and wanted to give my review of it, wanted to tie some things together. And rather than try to set these things up and, you know, come up with different thoughts and have them split up, I figured, what the hell? Let's just try running this at the same time. Now, whether you're watching or listening, Uh, or or maybe both, right? I would hope that you're not watching with the volume off. This has spoilers. This is not spoiler-free. I will be revealing some of the things that happen in the movie Avengers Endgame. So if you have not seen it, and if you plan to see it, and you do not want to be disappointed, or you do not want to know what happens, stop listening, stop watching, go to the theater, come back in three hours and one minute, and then we can kind of discuss further. And the movie is three hours and one minute long, right? So a couple of little things, just in case. Again, I will say I'm going to spoil some things. So if you haven't watched, please don't watch this. Um, took the kids. So I'm gonna go through this. I tweeted out a thread of this stuff um, a while back. And this, I want to say, when did I when did I do that? I want to make sure this mic is on. Is this this mic is on, right? Yeah, it's definitely on. Cause then I muted it. Ah. All right. Now I'm not even gonna go back in and edit that out. So, um, long story short, I won't take too much time because I really want to get into it. But um, so I grew up in a really rural area, right? Tiny, tiny town, 1,500 people. But we weren't even in the town. We were like 10 miles outside. And there was like one movie theater in another uh, town in which I was born. So I was born in Winnemac, Indiana. Had a Winnemac address for a long time, but we went to school and we're in the school district of North Judson, Indiana, which is like this massive school district. If you put it in an actual city, it'd be like the biggest school in the world. But, excuse me, I mean, we're talking like 15 miles in every direction. Um, but we had this one movie theater any place. And so we didn't go a lot. My mom was a nurse, uh, did a lot of home health care stuff. My dad was a farmer uh, until I was about 10. Then he uh, went back to school, became a teacher. But we did not have a lot of time to go to movies. And, and, you know, I think we were, we certainly weren't hand to mouth by any stretch, but you know, my parents didn't spend a lot on uh, maybe frivolous things if we want to call it that. So, so for me, movies were like a real, like a special event. And and so that's kind of how I got into that. Um, and I will vividly remember for the rest of my life, uh, my parents went to see Ghostbusters when it came out and they bought my brother and I this book, like one of those picture books you get like more for kids and pictures of the movie, you know, like still shots and stuff. And, um, and, and they bought us these Ghostbusters shirt. I had a black one. My brother had a white one, I think, or the other way around. And, and we were so into it. And I, re- I remember going for them, taking us to see the movie, right? When we we're kids. And, and so there were other stories of that. I won't get into too much of it, but uh, I really, really, Because of that and because of how that worked, I love the theater-going experience. I love to see movies, especially action movies, big blockbusters. Not so much comedies, although those are more fun when there's other people laughing with you. Definitely not the dramas or things like, I want to see action-type exciting movies, right, that are really going to be enhanced. By the larger visual experience, by the by the sound, right, the audio that's there, by the audience being around you and everyone kind of having the shared experience of a movie together. And so, uh, so I love taking my kids to these. And when the first Avengers movie came out, uh, so this would have been in 2012. Uh, my daughter was not yet six, so she was like five, um, almost five and a half. My son was three and a half. Okay, so these are little right? Um, most people would think it's really stupid to take a three and a half and a five and a half year old to really any movie, let alone one that's like two and a half hours long, let alone in three dimensions. And uh, and so, but that was the timing of it. And I wanted to pick because I wanted to see it right away. It was on a Friday, picked them both up from preschool. We go to the theater, we put the glasses on. And I'm, I'm not kidding you from the moment the glasses went on, neither of them moved. Neither of them spoke. I mean, they were just wrapped watching this movie. And and ever since then, we've gone to see all the subsequent films together. I think my son didn't go to see Thor. Uh, maybe, or did Thor come out before? I, I'm trying to, you know, I don't remember all, but we we definitely all four of us have seen. Uh, I know we all went to Thor Ragnarok, uh, Black Panther, and, and a couple other ones, but definitely all the Avengers movies, right? And so... This has been this really cool thing for us. So we went to see Avengers Endgame, and we saw Infinity War and Endgame, both at the White River State Park IMAX, downtown Indianapolis, which is one of the, you know, you see the IMAX theaters, right, that are on the end of the uh, the little deal uh, of the regular theater. And those screens are big. They're cool. But, I mean, this thing is massive, right, just monstrous. The only thing that sucks is you lean back in your seat, you're going to be banging the elbows of the person behind you, and the dude who was sitting immediately behind me was incredibly high. So he came in about 15 minutes late. He's using his phone light to find his seat, which is weird because the whole thing was packed. There's like one empty seat, dude. Um, and I mean, it it smelled as if he was with Nick Cage and um, and Eric Stoltz in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and it just like walked out of the van. Just there, there was like a cloud around him, right? And I, I hey, I don't care, you know. Uh, if you if you want to get blazed, that's cool. But I was like, oh, dude. I mean, it just It was just kind of, I mean, obviously it was dank, right? But then the dude was like sniffling and snuffling the whole time. He's moving his feet around. He's kicking my seat constantly. So it was less that he was clearly smelling of pot and more that he was kicking my seat. That was aggravating. Anyway, that aside, fantastic experience. Just awesome. And I'm still, I think my son and I are going to go see it again tomorrow because I'm still trying to process all these things. But the emotion. That I felt when the when the opening started to roll, we got applause. When different characters, here come the spoilers. When the snap happened, when Hulk snapped first, uh, obviously with the Infinity Gauntlet with the stones, and brought everyone back. We didn't, but we didn't see them back right away. We didn't know they were back yet. So when you know Thanos unleashes his army, and then all of a sudden you start seeing the Sling Ring circles appear. And then, you know, T'Challa comes out and Spider-Man and the rest of the banished heroes who had been dusted in um, in the the Snapocalypse all of a sudden are back. And people are just cheering, right? Applauding each time a new character comes out and you see this stuff all happening. But, uh, you know, just to feel that. But I know I stared so... Let me let me back up just a bit. Um, I'm not going to go through the through the entire movie, but I want to hit on a couple of big points, and I want to tie this back into the Cubs because uh, the video cast in particular is related to that. You know, actually, what's cool about doing this pod as I'm recording is I can actually see how long it is, which is really helpful because normally I go too long. Uh, and I'm sorry, my posture's jacked up. I'm just holding the mic and all that. Um, so anyway, it, you know, the the first hour to hour and a half was was definitely a little slow it, it it absolutely dragged a little and I don't mean like in a bad way but there was a lot of setup right and, and a lot of kind of putting paid to some of these characters and and sort of taking them on this journey that we were able to sort of see full circle where they had come from and why and and it was an homage to to them in many different ways. Uh it really went back to whether it was Thor, whether it was Captain America, whether it was Iron Man in, in particular, you know, and even and even Black Black Widow and Hawkeye. There was this idea of of kind of redemption was a huge part of it. Um, you know, going back to the past and maybe writing some things that were wrong. If you think of Tony Stark and the and the daddy issues he had had and, and kind of um being able to lay those down and put those to rest captain america and love lost you know things like that and and so we saw this all sort of set up and it and it drove for each of those characters their motivation right because we see all this stuff about oh they're superheroes and they have powers and they fight bad guys okay cool but who were they you know as and i don't even want to say humans because they weren't they're not all human but where did their motivation lie why did they do what they did? Uh, why did they drive themselves and, and keep fighting against what seemed like insurmountable odds? Right, and uh, and so it was you know was was interesting. Is it starts with that battle with Thanos, uh, right? But he's almost dead at that point, and then it seemed really, like really anticlimactic. So, like, okay, cool, movie's over, ten minutes in. But then how they go about it, and and you know there were some overarching things. I will say this, um, and I'm again, I'm not going to go through every point, but for me, and I'm sure everyone w- will have a different answer for this, but as I watched it, um, and, and of course the, the final battle, right, with that, and I actually, I kind of feel like the the battle in Infinity War, the scope of it and, and the way it went through with the battle for New York, right, in Avengers, I think may have been bigger um, and, and maybe even more dramatic in that, in, in the actual, in terms of the battle and the scope and kind of, how they all played out, but this one in terms of having all the characters there, right, and, and having all of them sharing the same battlefield, not split across different areas, was incredible. And and the 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 women, man, the girl power, right? Um, my daughter looked over and she was so excited at that part, and it was really neat. I thought uh, for her to be able to see that, and and for um, you know, I'm sure there are some some men out there who were displeased by that and you know you guys can go pound sand if that's the case but um but it was super cool to see that and to have them all all there and assembled and just kicking ass right but the for me the thing that I've been waiting for throughout this entire process was for Captain America to hold Milner, right um Thor's hammer which he had gotten back because of uh, when he went back in time, so that was kind of cool to see it. And so to see Cap raise his hand and for Mjolnir to come in there and for him to grab— I I was, I was staring with like no—I'm I'm not even being hyperbolic. My jaw dropped. I stared at it with my mouth open when that happened, and I made some exclamations. I may have cursed. I don't remember. I clapped. And then to see him fight Thor, or not fight Thor, fight Thanos with Mjolnir. And at one point he had Stormbreaker. Um, and, you know, to see Thor wield them as well, to see Professor Hulk, all these things kind of being brought in. And and I was just, man, it was so emotional and uh, in, in such a great way. But then, you know, you had this realization, right? When you see and Dr. And Strange had told Tony Stark, right? He saw the 14,600,003 or 603 or however many, you know, 14 million plus outcomes. And there was only one in which they won. And Iron Man asks him, is this the one, Uh, you know, and and Strange says, if I tell you, it won't be Or, or, you know, something along those lines. Right. And and as they're kind of in this climactic moment, Tony looks over to Strange and Strange just raises his index finger for one. This is the one. And and Tony knew at that point what he had to do. And so. Again, if you've seen it, you know how that ends up, end. and, and so Iron Man dies, but, but that scene, you know, because um, Thanos had said earlier, at the very beginning when they fought him, I am inevitable, and and that was really telling, because he's at the present day, but then by, uh, but, well, of course, if you're, it's not like I'm giving anything away, he was able to see the, the future when they went back to the past, because he saw it through Nebula, who was, uh, because of her computer uh, brain, Together on all those things, and, and so he was able to see that and see himself say that, and so then when he thought he had had the gauntlet again, you know, he said to uh, to Tony again, "I am inevitable," and he tried to snap, but then he realized that Tony had swapped out his glove, and so then Tony pulls it up, picks the thing up, and says, "I am Iron Man," boom. And we had seen what happened to the previous characters who snapped with the glove, and so you knew whether it be Thanos or Hulk they had the strength to, to survive that. Uh, Tony Stark did not. And, and that led to his passing. And I think, you know, it was tough for people to see. And I, I, I'm no joke. Like I'm not afraid to admit it all. I cried like not openly weeping and bawling, but I mean, I had tears and, and I had to wipe them away. And I got more tears uh, again when Captain America turned over his shield to, um, to Sam, to Falcon. But I look over, my daughter's crying. I mean, she's covering her face and, and my son is, is tearing up as well. And, and you could hear people sniffling through the audience. But what was interesting about it, you know, it's, so, well, why did he have to die? And, and part of it is because of the story arc. Part of it is because that's where it began. It began with Iron Man. It began with Tony Stark. And so to end it with his death was fitting. But I think more than that, there's the idea that he was so driven um, and so manic kind of in his pursuit of really anything that the only way for him to stop being Iron Man was for him to die he was not going to be able to walk away. Um, and, and so as so I'm not saying, you know, it was a good thing. Oh, you had to kill him. But, but that was really the only way that he could be at rest because he, he never really truly stopped. And and that was really the only thing. So, and then Captain America, again, getting to go back and live the life that he missed out on because of being trapped in the ice for 70 years, uh, was awesome. But, uh, but, you know, again, um what I and when I talked to my kids so we're driving home and I talked to I said you know I think there's a lesson in this for you guys and and this is like me being dad but in the same way so you saw how you know the Avengers their their plot or their plan to reverse everything was to go back you know not not to face Thanos head-on because they they really couldn't uh and, and he had his head off as a matter of fact but um was to go back and kind of kind of sneak back through time, right? So we had your the back to the future and it was totally self-aware. Like there was a ton of self-awareness in the movie, the whole Back to the Future 2 thing. Um but to go back in time to to pluck the stones out of those individual times when they knew where they were to assemble them and stop things. But they were never really facing the problem because as Thanos said he was inevitable. There was no way to avoid him. And yet they tried to avoid him and tried to kind of do a workaround and at the end They had to face him at his full strength with his full army and the potential might of the Infinity Gauntlet filled with the stones. So try as they might, they could not escape what was inevitable, even though they tried. And because maybe they tried all these different things and ways to kind of work around him, it ended up being a bigger problem than it would have been in the first place. And so I I kind of talked to my kids about that, right? Like if you're facing a problem, face it head on, you know, own it, deal with it. Uh, and and don't just try to dance around it because in the end you're going to come back and it's going to be worse than usual. But, um, if we tie in the Cubs angle and and I'm running on a little over 17 minutes, so I do want to, to make this quick. I I thought about this and I've talked about this on here. Um, I think not on, um, not on Leviathan, but on inside corner about how, for me uh, watching the Cubs and and I think maybe some of you will agree, um, the 2015 season was actually more enjoyable in terms of just just pure unadulterated fun. Uh, the Cubs 2015 season because we didn't know what to expect from them. We didn't really know. It was the first we had really seen them come into their own. Um, and similarly, Infinity War gave us the idea of Thanos as a as a full you know full villain. He had been kind of the big bad in the background. We saw the Infinity Gauntlet. We saw the stones. We there was this that iconic image of the snap. There were so many heroes all sharing screen time. And they had all really been together. So we didn't really know what to expect. How are they going to pull this off? Is it really going to work? What's going to happen? And, you know, I think that that is a movie that I've watched, I don't know how many times since. And it's just so enjoyable all the way through because you really didn't know what to expect. And it was so fun. Then the 2016 season comes around. The Cubs are favored to win the World Series. There's a ton of expectation and so you had this long period of run up where, you know, at times, okay, this is cool. It's setting the stage for some things. We're watching this play out, but let's get to the end. Let's, what's going to happen? How is this going to work? And, and the payoff was, was wor- obviously it was worth it. They won the world series. It worked out. Um, but it was more business-like. It was a, a, an expected conclusion to this incredibly long journey and very detailed journey. And so in that sense, I felt like Endgame was very much like the 2016 Cubs season because there was just a tremendous amount of buildup to it, a tremendous amount of hype. Everyone wanted to see it. Everyone wanted to be a part of this story. And yet when it's done, it came at a price. I think we all sacrificed a lot. A lot of us, I cried at the end of the World Series, just like I, I cried near the end of Endgame. Um, but we had to lose some beloved characters. We had to lose some of that innocence in in that, you, you know, a lot of it, you just kind of felt like, oh, we snapped them out of existence. Hey, they, they all come back. Everybody's fine, right? Um, and in the same sense, kind of as Cubs fans, ever since then, we've lost that innocence and that that kind of childlike adoration, maybe, maybe not all of us. And and if you're one of those people who didn't bully for you, like, that's awesome. And I applaud you for that because uh, a lot of people did not. And so, um, again, that's what I, I was deeply satisfied by Endgame. I wasn't able to sleep until like 2am the movie got over about 11 and I'm still, there's so many things running through my head. There's so many things I want to watch again. Um, but just to see those characters all come full circle and these, these characters and these things. And again, I'm, I'm kind of saying this about the Cubs as well, to see something that as a child you grew up watching or reading um, and, and wanting to see realized to the fullest extent. And, and as a kid, we talked about comic books, and me and my buddies, and, and we knew that there wasn't really a good way to make the movies about them because they just could not be displayed. Realistically and 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 really faithfully on the screen, and with these latest all these Marvel movies, they've been able to do that convincingly to make you feel that they are real, to be there and to see that happen, and to see something like the Infinity War and Thanos and the stones and and all of that come together, just like to see the Chicago Cubs play in and win the World Series was something that even as children we normally couldn't dream it. maybe we could dream about it, but then we didn't think it would happen. I mean, I, I sat there and said repeatedly in the wake of that, that last out Rizzo's putting the ball in his pocket. And I just stared at the screen and said, this was never supposed to happen because I truly, I realized in that moment, I truly had never allowed myself to believe that it ever would. And for that to be realized and to be able to bear witness to that, uh, just like I was able to bear witness to my favorite characters. And and, and, and that's kind of what I felt like when Cap caught Mjolnir. That was Anthony Rizzo catching the, the throw from Chris Bryant that almost sailed. Um, that was this moment that I had envisioned in my mind from the comics. That then to see that happen. Because Captain America has always been my favorite. Even though I'm wearing my Hulk shirt here. Uh, Hulk's probably my second favorite. But to see that and to have this thought of something and watch it play out um, and, and to be able to share it with my kids, too. Like that was really I mean, that is the coolest thing to me, um, it, you know, as as a dad and, and, and establishing that bond and, and kind of doing that stuff was so, so, so neat. And uh, and so, I, you know, I hope all of you and I know not all of you will feel the same way about it. I'm sure some of you probably went to Endgame and were kind of like, Meh, OK. Um, But but I just took so much out of that, and you know I think that's kind of where Marvel's going to go now in the future is sort of where we're at with the Cubs, right? Where we're going to parse these things, we're going to break this stuff down, we're going to wish that that they were able to meet the standard that was set by Infinity War and Endgame, and I don't know that that's ever possible. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's and it and realistically it's it's not because this was the culmination of this entire phase and and everything that what 22 or 23 movies have been driving toward. And so once that's done and you move on from that, you are different. It is different. There's no way to completely recapture that. Now that doesn't mean things can't be good in the future. And by all means, it certainly can. I don't think Red Sox fans are upset about winning more world series titles, but there's something special about that one. And, uh, And, and so to see that all come to an end, to have that journey conclude, um, you know, to see Stan Lee there and and just everything that this whole deal means, uh, again, was really, really special for me. I'm super stoked about it. Um, I'm excited to go see it again, to maybe pick up some of those little things that I didn't the first time. And, uh, and again, um, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I'd love to hear about it from you. And, and since, again, since I'm recording both of these, I am going to tie this up and, and, uh, The DLL listeners, both of you who have not seen Inside Corner know that I I normally am having a beer uh, during these recordings. I am not today because it's uh, significantly, it's about five hours earlier than I usually record these. And I'm actually heading to a wedding reception after this. So, and I just got back from the gym not too long ago. So I figure probably not great to have one. I promise next time I will drink a beer. This is kind of a special edition. It's a little bit different. And I wouldn't have been drinking anyway because I've been talking really fast for like the last 24 minutes. So with that, uh, I will bid you adieu. Um, but please, if you are listening to the podcast, if you have the opportunity, you know we're available on Apple iTunes, Google Podcast, Stitcher. So go in there, and give me a five star review, even if you think it sucks, because that helps. Uh, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, thank you very much. And and you know, again, it won't really make sense to you to to watch or listen to both of these. But uh, my pod, deep like Leviathan. Is definitely non Cubs related stuff, or it's been about at least fifty-fifty. And uh, you know, I, I brought this up before. It's a it's a lyric from a Wu Tang Clan song, or a, specifically an Inspect the Deck song. But uh, again, really happy to have you folks with me, and to kind of follow me along with this journey, or uh, to be on it with me. I don't I don't want to say follow. I'm not leading you. Um, ideally, we're we're just kind of on this thing together and and hanging out. And uh, and I really appreciate you reading my work over at Cubs Insider. I love that you're watching the videos, listening to the pods from time to time. And, uh, and, I, and I thank you for that. And I look forward to the next time. So uh, until then, this is Evan Altman. And my technique of speech is deep like Leviathan.